Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. It's always okay to have a plan. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be continually open to the leading of God's Spirit in our lives. And uh, this past week, God just very much impressed upon me that I needed to change my message for this one week at the Oasis. Uh, so we are going to suspend our series in First Thessalonians for a week and pick back up there next Sunday. But today, we're going to do a standalone message out of the book of Acts. So if you would turn to actually two different places in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 23 and verse 11, Acts 23 and verse 11, and then Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Really from the end of last year and then wrapping around into the beginning of this year, I have heard from so many of you how you're struggling. You're overwhelmed. You're going through the fire. You're going through a tremendous trial. You feel like you're in the midst of a storm. I want you to know this morning that you're not alone. I'm hearing that from so many folks. And it just, it's made an impression upon me. And, And I... I almost, I think, as the pastor of this church, I, I in some way feel the weight of what many of you have been dealing with. And God wanted me to bring you today a message of encouragement from his word. God wants you to know that he understands and knows what you're going through, and he wants to encourage you in the midst of your storm. And the passage that God directed me to was this passage in Acts 27, where Paul and his companions are seeking to get to Italy. And you will notice in verse 4 of Acts 27... That Luke, the the man who's writing this after the fact, says in verse 4 at the end, the winds were against us. The winds were against us. Maybe that's the way you feel right now in life and have for quite a while. I feel like I'm walking, but the winds are against me. I can identify with that as well. I feel like there's a lot of spiritual opposition and resistance to what God wants to do with us as a church and in moving forward. And I I sense that very deeply and very clearly. And though I, I may not be experiencing some of the 
the physical and emotional storms that many of you are going through. I'm going through a sort of a spiritual storm myself and feel like the winds are against me. Well, that's not where this storm ends. You'll notice down in verse 14 that the winds only got harder and stronger to the point where Luke says we we were actually facing a severe hurricane force wind out there on the water. So much so, if you look at verse 18, Luke writes, we were violently battered by the storm. Again, that may be how some of you feel. You're being battered by the storm. And as if you and I doubt how severe this storm was for Paul and his companions and others on the ship, notice in verse 20 that Luke records, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and a violent storm continued to batter us, we finally abandoned all hope of being saved. Even for the followers of Christ on this ship, they pretty much had concluded that this was the end. That's how bad it was. We're going to die out here in the middle of the ocean on this ship. Now again, you may personally not be going through something quite that extreme. But many of you, I know, because you've shared with me. You are going through a storm. You do feel like the winds are against you. And you might even be feeling like you're being violently battered by the storm. Today, I'm not concerned about why the storm is in your life. That's for another time, another message. In other words, you could be going through a tremendous storm in your life by your own doing. Sometimes that's the way it is in our lives. We have made choices. We have made decisions in our life contrary to God, and therefore we've brought the storms on ourselves. It could be that it's just life. Because we live in a fallen world, Sometimes that's just the way life is. Sometimes life just brings storms. And we had no cause in it. Jesus said, in the world, this fallen world, you will have trouble and suffering. But be of good courage, I have overcome the world. And then it could be that you're going through a storm because of somebody else's choices and decisions. And that's very possible too. But again, I'm not concerned today about why you feel like you're in the storm. Why you feel like the winds are against you. What I am focused on today is wanting you to know that regardless of what the reasons are for you being in that storm, God wants to encourage you today. Our God is the God of encouragement. And in this story of Paul and his companions on this voyage to Italy, being in the midst of this storm, we have revealed to us how God can encourage us in the storms of life. And so I hope today that you will be receptive 
and non-resistant to the word of God and let God take his word through his spirit and encourage your hearts today as maybe you're battling those winds that are against you. The first thing is this. We receive God's encouragement by being with his people. We receive God's encouragement by being with his people. Many times the very instruments of encouragement that God wants to bring into our lives is our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, many times as Christians, when we're struggling, when we're going through storms, when we're going through trials, whatever, we stay separated from each other. And then we forfeit the encouragement that we could be getting through one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. In the first couple verses of chapter 27, it talks to us about even before Paul got on that boat with his companions, it says in verse 3 that uh, those in the Roman Empire allowed Paul to go to be with his friends for a while before they set sail. And then we are told in verse 2 that he took along with him a man by the name of Aristarchus. And we also know, obviously, that Luke was there with him. And we know throughout Paul's missionary journeys and ministry for the Lord that in all the storms and trials and suffering and tribulation that Paul went through, he never was alone. He always had companions, if you will, fellow Christians with him. In fact, Aristarchus and Mark also spent time with Paul in prison. They were always sort of by each other's side. And they were always there to mutually encourage one another. They were never feeling like they were isolated and all alone like many times Christians feel because we stay apart instead of coming together. It's why the author of Hebrews says, don't abandon your own meetings as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and so much the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. God says, get together. Don't stay apart. It's through us getting together as believers that we can open up opportunities to encourage one another. We shut those opportunities off when we close out our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, do you realize that every one of you, if you are a true Christian, you are part of the body of Christ? And so he goes on to say these words. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. Which reveals the fact that we need each other. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we will admit it or not, the Bible teaches we need each other. Which is why then Paul goes on in that very same passage to say, The reason God calls us together as the body and wants us to acknowledge that we have need of each other is so that we will put ourselves in an environment where we can have mutual concern and care for one another. And then the very next verse is this verse. If one of you suffers, then all of you should be suffering together with that one. That's the way the body is supposed to function. 
And that's one of the ways that we find encouragement in God. We can be encouraged when we are with God's people. Secondly, we receive God's encouragement when we remember his presence with us. We receive God's encouragement when we remember his presence with us. One of the reasons I had you turn to Acts 23.11, and we'll come back there in just a few moments, is for this reason. If you turn to that verse for just a moment, then we'll go back to chapter 27. Notice Paul says in chapter 23, verse 11, or Luke actually records this, the following night the Lord stood near Paul. God was with Paul. His presence was with Paul. In fact, over in chapter 27, look at verse 23. Luke even records that last night, God sent an angel of God to come to Paul. To sort of reassure him that God's presence was with him. We talked about this Wednesday night in our study of 1 John. That John reveals that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are our advocate. The word advocate means one who stands by us, who is there to help and support us. And the Bible teaches that that's who our God is. And he wants us to be aware of his presence. And even though in the storms of life, many times we think God has left us, abandoned us, is somehow mad at us, punishing us, whatever. God's word says, I'm there with you. And I'm there with you in the good. And I'm there with you in the worst. But I'm always there. You can always count on me. We need to be reminded of that. God never cuts and runs. In fact, Jesus the, the last words Jesus said to his followers before he ascended back to heaven was, I am with you to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. And the author of Hebrews says about the Lord that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never abandon us. He is always there. And so you and I can be encouraged that though we may be going through the storms and that the winds are against us and whatever we're going through, that we're never alone. Even if you shut out your brothers and sisters in Christ, God is still with you. And as I pointed out Wednesday night from 1 John chapter 2, John tells us that we have an advocate with the Father even when we sin. In other words, he's pointing out even when I'm at my worst, Jesus is still there by my side. And if Jesus is there when we are at our worst, then obviously he's there all the time. That's who our God is. And so we can be encouraged by being with God's people, and we can be encouraged by being reminded that his presence is with us. We also can receive God's encouragement when we remember that we are his possession. We can be encouraged when we remember that we are God's possession. If you look at chapter 27 and verse 23, 
Luke again records, For last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, came to me. Notice the phrase, to whom I belong. Paul was acknowledging, I'm God's. I'm not my own. In fact, Paul said those same words again to the church at Corinth. When in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, We as Christians are not our own. We have been bought with a great price. And what is that price? Peter tells us, you and I were redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver and gold from our vain manner of life, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed. If something in your life is of great worth and value, do you treat that carelessly? Do you neglect it? Something that is that valuable? No. So God is saying to us, if you believe that you are my possession, that I gave up my very son for you, that my son, the son of God, the Lord of glory, was willing to sacrifice his very life and shed his blood for you, do you not think that I will not care about you? If, if I thought that much of you to give you my son, if, if Jesus thought that much of us to give his very life and shed his blood, do you think he's not going to care about us? That somehow after we're saved, it's just like sort of life on our own? No. Paul says, I belong to God. I am his possession. And I am of great value and worth in his eyes. Because of all that he has done for me to bring me into a right relationship with him. And therefore, God's not going to forget about me. God's not going to treat me carelessly. God's never going to neglect me. God's going to look out after me and care for me. And yes, I may go through storms. And yes, the winds may be against me. But that never should tell me that somehow I'm not God's. No, we are always God's possession we have been bought with a great price and therefore God is not going to just treat us in a very casual way the Bible teaches that God will look out after us and over us every second that we are precious to God. That we are of great value and worth to God. And Paul is declaring that very thing here. He said, I belong to God. I hope you can say that today with confidence. Because if you can, that very truth can encourage your heart, even in the storm. We also notice in this passage that we can receive God's encouragement when we remember that we are his servants. 
We can be encouraged when we remember that we are God's servants. Again, I direct your attention to verse 23. From last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve came to me. Again, we might say, well, how does being reminded I'm a servant of God encourage me in the storm? Because again, going back to what Paul said to the Corinthian church, I should be at a place in my life as a Christian where my life is not my own. Therefore, I should have come to a place in my life, hopefully, where like Paul encouraged the Roman Christians, present your body a living sacrifice. Therefore, God, if you want me to serve you, and you want me to bring glory in this way, if you want me to advance your kingdom in this way, then I'm okay with it. Because I'm just a servant. It's not about me, God. Therefore, if, I, if you choose for me to go through some storms, if you choose to, to allow me to go through some seasons in my life where the winds are constantly against me, I'm okay with that because I settled a long time ago who I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve you, God, to advance your kingdom, to bring you glory. And therefore, God, if you choose to allow me to go through this so that your kingdom can grow, so that your glory can be advanced, I'm in, God. See, where we get discouraged and disillusioned is when we're sort of not settled on the matter of Who are we serving? So that when something bad comes into our life, a storm or the winds against us, and then we start to say, well, God, are you punishing me for something? Have you, have you, you know, turned your back on me? Do you not care about me anymore? And I I think God would say to all of that, are you my servant or are you not my servant? (laughs) Did, Did you not just, you know, allow me permission to just say, God, here's my life. Take it. Use it however you want to, God. It's no longer about us. But part of the problem of why we get discouraged and in despair and distraught in the storms of life is we really haven't come to a place many times as Christians where we settled who we serve. Well, Paul had. Paul said, the angel was sent by the God of whom I belong and whom I serve. And so, from Paul's perspective, if God wanted Paul to go through this storm, even so intense that they abandoned all hope of being saved, Paul had settled that. If if this is the way God wants me to go out, my life's not my own. My life is God's. If if this is the way God chooses to bring glory to himself is by allowing this, then God, I'm I'm okay with it because I'm just your humble servant. And when we remember that, then I think we can be encouraged. We also receive God's encouragement when we remember his promises. Again, if you'll go back to chapter 23, verse 11. We are encouraged when we remember God's promises. 
In chapter 23, verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, have courage for just as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must. That word speaks of divine necessity. God says, you must, Paul, testify about me in Rome. That was a promise out of the very mouth of God. So in spite of the fact that it looked like they all were going to die out there, Paul had to continually come back to and cling to and be reminded, wait a minute, I'm not going to die out here no matter how bad it gets. Because God told me he's going to make sure that I get to Rome. And the storm's not the one that's in control. I'm not the one that's in control. God's the one that's in control. And if God told me out of his own mouth, I'm going to get to Rome, then I'm going to get to Rome no matter how bad it looks now. If you notice here in that story from Paul, there's a pattern in the Bible about that kind of a scenario. And I think there's a reason for that because you and I are there a lot in certain ways. Remember the story of when Jesus commanded, commanded his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and halfway across the Sea of Galilee, same thing, this violent storm comes up and all the disciples start freaking out and thinking they're going to die out there in the middle of the lake. And Jesus is like, what are you guys so upset? I was the one that told you to get into the boat and I told you we'd get to the other side. But see, I think... We have to remember his promises. And that's why we've got to be people of the word. Because many times, part of the reason why we continue to be battered by the storms is we are not focused on the promises of God. And we are forgetting the promises of God. Or we're not being mindful of the promises of God. But certainly one of the things that can encourage us in the storms of life are the promises of God. Promises like, I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a couple others that I'd like to share with you this morning. If you turn to the prophet Isaiah, keep your finger there in Acts 27 and go back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And look at a couple of encouraging verses with me from Isaiah. These are some of my favorites. First of all, Isaiah 41 And verse 10. Notice what God says through the prophet Isaiah to his people. He says in Isaiah 41.10, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be frightened, for I am your God. I strengthen you. Yes, I help you. Yes, I uphold you with my saving right hand. That's a great promise. Then look over at chapter 43, the first couple of verses. Now this is what the Lord says, The one who created you, O Jacob, and formed you, O Israel. Don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I call you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be hurt. The flames will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Deliverer. Promises of God. Just like Daniel's friends in Babylon. 
God never promised Daniel or his friends that they would never go into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar threw them in his anger into the fiery furnace. But what God did promise them was, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in the fire. And even though you're going to go through the fire, no harm's going to come to you. See, that was the promise of God. So often, when we go into the fire, we're like, God's abandoned me. God, you've given up on me. God, you've turned your back. No. Because there's never been any promise in the Bible about us not going through fire. About us not going through violent storms where we might be battered. There's never any promises about that. As Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble and suffering. Somehow we can't get that through our heads as Christians. So when trouble and suffering and, and violent storms and fire and all that stuff comes into our life, somehow we go right to God's no longer with me. God doesn't love me. Can I tell you one of the worst things we can do even as Christians is to have time to think? Because we can get ourselves in really, really bad places very quickly when we have time alone, when we're not fellowshipping with God, and when we're not fellowshipping with other Christians as we should, we can get ourselves in really bad places up here. And that's why God says, focus on my promises. Don't look at the storm. Don't look at the winds. Don't focus on that. Focus on me and my word. Again, you see this illustrated with Peter walking on the water. The storm was still there even though he was walking to Jesus. It was only when he took his eyes off of the Lord and got them on the storm that Peter started to sink. See, he was walking on water. Not only that, he was walking on water in the midst of a violent storm and would have continued to do so had he kept his eyes on Jesus. See, that's what God wants us to get. He wants to show us that through him, we will have the strength not just to get through the storm, but even while the storm is still raging and still going on, we can still navigate it successfully with him. That's the strength that you and I can have in the Lord. That's the encouragement that you and I can have in the Lord. Also, a couple more. Back to Acts 27. We receive God's encouragement when we remember God answers prayer. We receive God's encouragement when we remember God answers prayer, which sort of implies then we're praying. Notice in verse 25, or excuse me, verse 24 of Acts 27. That Paul, or Luke goes on to say, and said, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And God has graciously granted you the safety of all who are sailing with you. The word granted is a key word there. Because that word then reveals to us that God is giving Paul an answer to something Paul has prayed for. So notice here that Paul not only was praying for his own safety and the safety of his fellow Christians, but Paul had prayed for the safety of every soul on that boat, even people that didn't know God at all. 
Paul prayed, God, would you please spare everyone on this boat? And the angel comes to Paul and says, God has heard your prayer, Paul, and God has granted you that prayer, Paul. There's not going to be one soul that drowns, not one soul that doesn't make it. God will make sure every last person gets off this ship alive. Prayer. Oh, what pain we often forfeit when we don't take things to the Lord in prayer. The Bible is filled with commands about praying taking things to God in prayer. James said, if you're suffering, pray. If you're going through a storm, pray. And then the Bible encourages us as Christians, pray for one another that you may be made whole. Not just whole individually, not just whole corporately as a body of believers, but whole with God again. Pray. And then James says this, the prayer of a righteous person is highly effective. James 5.16. Do we believe that? Maybe if we believed that more, we'd pray more. We'd cry out to God. We'd turn to God rather than turning to other things to soothe us and, and, and uh, you know, help us to navigate the tough times of life. The coping mechanisms that we use besides the only ones that work. That's what's so sad, is that many times we as Christians get to an even worse place when we go through storms because we don't allow God to encourage us the way God says, I will encourage you. We don't spend time in God's word. We don't pray. We don't spend time with God's people. We don't focus on his promises. We forget that he's with us at all times. We do all those things or neglect them, and then we make the storm even worse than what it is. Which is why my... Last point from this passage this morning is this. We also receive God's encouragement by believing him. By believing him, by trusting him. Notice what it says in Acts 27, verse 25. Paul says, therefore, to the rest of the crew, keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be just as I have been told. Paul's basically saying, I prayed about it. God gave me the answer. We're all going to be okay. I'm good with that because I trust God. He's like, calm down, men. Everything's going to be okay. Not because everything was okay at the time. The storm was still terrible. It was still raging. But he was trying to get even these people that didn't have a relationship with God to focus on the fact that that they could, in a sense, be encouraged by his courage and his faith in his God. And you and I have to have faith and trust and confidence in our God, or else we're going to not be encouraged. In fact, Paul sort of crystallizes that thought in Romans 15, verse 13, when he says, but the God of hope wants to fill you with all joy and peace as you and I believe in him, so that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The key phrase there is, as you and I believe in him. We want God to fill us with joy and peace, but we don't want to believe. But God says, 
The way you and I receive his joy and peace, even in the midst of storms, is when we believe in him and trust in him, just like Paul did. Paul's saying, I trust you, God. I trust you. If that's what you said, I'm believing in your word. And like I said earlier, I think Paul had settled the fact that I'm, I'm your servant, God. If the way you want to bring glory to yourself and advance your kingdom is to have me die out here in the middle of the ocean on that ship, I'm good with it. Because I belong to you. And I know you don't treat me carelessly. You, you, don't, you don't just uh, treat me and, and neglect me. I'm of great value and worth to you. Jesus Christ, your very son, gave his life for my salvation. So that's how much you think of me. So I'm good with it, God, however you see fit. One of the main reasons why God wants to encourage us, especially in the storms of life that we go through, is not those so that we can be encouraged. That's important. And God wants you and I to be encouraged. But our encouragement should never stay with us. I want you to turn in closing this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want you again to be reminded of these verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Where Paul writes to, again, the church at Corinth. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Not just some comfort. You need to be comforted. I need to be comforted. Where can we go for comfort? The God of all comfort and encouragement. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, God wants us to receive his encouragement so that then we can be in a place where we can look around and we can encourage others. Again, that's why God wants us to come together. Because can I say here today, if every one of us in this auditorium was to look at the person to the right or left of us, I think we could be pretty sure that that person's going through some kind of storm. And can I say that's why we need to be kind to one another? The last thing we need to do as brothers and sisters in Christ is turn on each other. Because then the enemy wins. And see, sometimes when you and I are going through a personal storm... We bring that personal storm to the body. And then sometimes we either isolate ourselves from the body that God calls us to be a part of, or we bring our personal storm to that body and we start turning on our brothers and sisters in Christ. And God is always trying to remind us who the real enemy is. And the real enemy is not you and me. I'm not your enemy, you're not my enemy. The enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need to keep that in mind. Because can I tell you? As God continues to move us forward as a church and, and take us further down the road with him, 
the one thing Satan's going to try to do is to get into this church through us starting to turn on each other. Beware, brothers and sisters. Beware. Do not look at your brother and sister as the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And Satan would like nothing better than to destroy what God is doing through this church. Don't let him. Don't be an instrument of the enemy here. But receive God's encouragement. Whatever is troubling you, whatever is bothering you, whatever is causing you so much consternation and maybe anxiety and angst in your life, as Nicole and our worship team tried to lead us through worship today, let it go, lay it down. Let God take over. And let God's encouragement flood into your life. Be encouraged today, my friends. Let's pray. God, help us not only to stay in close connection with you. Help us to stand with one another in the storms of life. Help us to pray with and for one another. Help us to edify and build up one another, not tear each other down. God, help us to be aware that our spiritual enemy wants us to succumb to the storm. Our spiritual enemy wants us to get discouraged and distraught and wants us to be defeated in the storms of life. But we have been reminded today through your spirit and through your word that even in the most violent storms where we may be battered and where we feel like the winds are constantly against us, that we can still, as your children, live victoriously if we will allow you, the God of all encouragement and comfort, to comfort us and to encourage us in the storm. So God, help us to look to you today for all that we need. Help us to be reminded that, God, you are our all in all. And we don't need to look past you or beyond you. We just need to look to you, God, today. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.